Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 November 7th marks the one-month anniversary of the brutal Hamas terror attack on southern Israel. Across Israel and around the world, Israelis are observing a national day of mourning. On that fateful morning, Israel was shocked by the attack and immediately declared war with Hamas. Operation Swords of Iron was declared with hundreds of thousands of reservists called up to the front lines. Large memorial ceremonies are taking place across the country, including a solemn ceremony at the Kosel, where 1,400 candles are lit in commemoration of the 1,400 victims murdered that day. To date, over 1,400 people were, mur- were murdered in the opening days of the war, including 314 soldiers who died in combat, Rechman al-Etzlan. 34 soldiers have since died during the ground operation inside Gaza that began on October 27th. The families of 241 hostages have been informed that their loved ones are kidnapped in Gaza, including 33 children under the age of 18. Ten of them are toddlers under the age of five. Over 7,000 people have been wounded during the war, and the terrifying statistics continue. 20 children under the age of 18 became orphans after losing both of their parents, and at least 96 children lost one parent, Rahman al More than 9,200 rockets have been launched into Israel from Gaza, and there were more than 900 misfires and more than 400 direct hits that have been counted on Israeli territory. The IDF has attacked more than 2,950 targets in Gaza since the ground operation began, and more than 13,000 targets since the war began. Since the beginning of the war, more than 500,000 Israeli residents have been displaced from their homes, and more than 1,350 wanted terror suspects have been arrested in the West Bank since the war began, at least 850 of them of whom are affiliated with the Hamas terrorist organization. A month since the horrifying massacre in Kibbutz Be'eri, a place once lush and vibrant, the air is still tainted with the grim scent of death. The houses once standing tall lie broken and charred, and Israeli army officials advise anyone walking in there to use caution as structures are extremely unstable. Amidst the chaos of ash, twisted wire, and blackened timber, Israel Antiquities Authority archaeologists were called in to help find remnants of those who perished there on October 7th. Their mission, which defies adequate description, serves as a beacon of hope to to provide closure to families still searching for their loved ones. There are still at least 100 missing people. On Tuesday, November 7th, the U.S. announced that it will deliver $320 million worth of precision bombs to Israel in an attempt to lower the number of civilian casualties in the Gaza Strip. The bombs, Spice Family Gliding Bomb Assemblies, are produced by Rafael USA, a a subsidiary of the Israeli Rafael Advanced Defense Systems. Congressional leaders received an update that the transfer last week, although the transfer was already approved by the relevant U.S. congressional committees a few months ago before the October 7th attack. The spice assemblies can be used to turn unguided bombs into precision weapons. While the ground offensive continues in Gaza, the IDF is employing specially trained dogs to attack and neutralize Hamas terrorists in confined spaces. This helps to minimize the danger to IDF soldiers while still eliminating the terrorists. The dogs are trained to tactically evade bullets by zigzagging. 
IDF troops are systematically going from house to house in Gaza looking for tunnel entrances, which they then utilize a specialized balloon-like blow-up device, which permanently seals it and sucks the ear out of the tunnel. That forces Hamas terrorists to find alternate passages and openings, which are being watched and guarded by IDF forces. As soon as they emerge, they are eliminated. Hamas terrorists often fire rockets toward Israel in civilian clothing, so that when Israel retaliates, Hamas can claim them as civilian deaths. Video footage released proves this beyond the shadow of the doubt. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was interviewed by David Muir on ABC News on Monday, November 6th, and responded to questions about a ceasefire by saying that that would be, quote, a victory for Hamas, like the U.S. having a ceasefire with Al-Qaeda a month after the 9-11 attacks. When asked if he knew where the hostages are being held in Gaza, Netanyahu responded, quote, We have some intelligence, but I'm not sure it would be wise to share it here with Hamas. But Netanyahu reiterated his assertion that, quote, there will definitely not be any talk of any form of a ceasefire without the unconditional return of the hostages. Number two. The RNC, the Republican National Committee Committee on Monday, November 6th, confirmed that five candidates have qualified to appear on the debate stage on Wednesday evening, November 8th, in Miami, Florida. Taking the stage will be Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, tech mogul Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Quote, we are looking forward to our third debate in Miami, a welcome opportunity for our candidates to showcase our winning conservative agenda to the American people, said RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. We are especially honored to be the first political party to partner with a Jewish organization for a debate in our partnership with the Republican Jewish Coalition, and our candidates will reaffirm the Republican Party's unwavering support of Israel and the Jewish community on the stage Wednesday night. Salem Radio Network has also partnered with the RNC for the debate. Of those candidates who participated in the prior debate, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum and former Vice President Mike Pence will not appear. Pence has suspended his campaign in late October, while Burgum remains a candidate. Former President Donald Trump has not participated in any of the debates and remains the clear front-runner in the contest. In other news, former President Donald Trump took the stand on Monday, November 6th, in his civil fraud case in New York City, where Attorney General Letitia James is accusing the Trump Organization of inflating their assets for insurance purposes. The judge presiding over the case is Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engoron, who is deciding the non-jury case that threatens Trump's New York real estate empire. As Trump took the stand, he waved a piece of paper and asked for it to be entered into the record as evidence. But the judge refused to allow it and belligerently ordered Trump to sit down and be quiet, after which he turned to Trump's attorney and ordered them to, quote, rein in their client. It was a moment of malice disrespect for the former president, who then went on a rant claiming the whole case was a witch hunt and that the judge and attorney general are political hacks set on destroying him. While Trump's statements made no difference in the court, Judge Engeron's actions in the courtroom on Monday may have opened an opportunity for Trump to appeal the case on the grounds that the judge was biased, something that does not normally happen in civil cases. Number three. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is juggling a new crisis in addition to the old ones. The expanding federal corruption investigation threatens to overshadow the challenge he spent much of the year confronting. 
the surge of more than 120,000 migrants that has overwhelmed city resources. The new campaign finance scandal leaves Adams hamstrung as he lobbies Washington and Albany for more help with the migrants. Some local officials worry about Adams' difficult position. At no time was that more evident than on Thursday, November 2nd. Instead of tending to pressing migrant needs with a slate of Washington meetings, he rushed back to the city to address the scandal. He had landed in Washington to advocate for migrant funding at about the same time that federal agents were raiding his chief fundraiser's home in Brooklyn. The mayor pulled up to his first meeting in the Capitol, but never even got out of the car before deciding to return home. Mayor Adams later said that the instinct to be on the ground compelled him to leave. But jetting home meant scrapping the chance to be on the ground in Washington and missed the opportunity to strategize with the mayors of Chicago and Denver on the major city's collective approach to requesting $5 billion in federal aid to address migrants. And Mayor Adams, who once said the migrant crisis will, quote, destroy New York City, missed face-to-face -face meetings with White House Chief of Staff Jeff Zients, Senior Advisor Tom Perez, Department of Homeland Security officials, and Capitol Hill lawmakers. The federal investigation into Adams' campaign is due to alleged claims that it conspired with the Tur Turkish government to obtain illegal donations. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.